Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. My name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 140 of the No Encore Music Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome back uh, the rambling reporter himself, Cullum O'Regan. <laughs> so I just thought I'd pop in for a change. Oh, welcome home. It's great, great to have him back for a week because yeah. you're going off on holidays again yeah. next week. <laughs> I, I wasn't on holidays last week, I should clarify. Yeah, he was like, doing work. Yeah, I was yeah. working. Oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. You were le- left on red by Ronan O'Gara. <laughs> again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he got there in the end. And that other voice, that uh, rambunctious, brilliant man, is, of course, Dahi Droni. Hello. How are you doing? You I'm not it? bad, man. And I, we send our love to Craig Fitzpatrick, who pulled out sick today. Poor so. fella. Yeah. Yeah. Swollen glands. Tis the season. A late fitness test uh, did not pass clearly. <laughs> but, um, Wellness policy in full effect. Yes, uh, we're, so we're sure he will be back. He hasn't resigned his seat yet. Uh, it's going to be another typically busy episode today, guys. Uh, we have an interview with Julian Casablancas of The Voids and The Strokes fame. We will be reviewing the new Vince Staples album. Is it even an album? I don't know. We're going to find out. And reviewing all the news that's fit to print and songs of the week and all that kind of good stuff. But first, before we get there at all, a reminder that the No Encore Quiz of the Year takes place in the Workman's Club on Wednesday the 19th of December. You can get your tickets on Eventbrite. They're on the No Encore Twitter. They're on my own Twitter at Hanmerty Dave. And uh, happy to report that we are halfway through to selling it out at this stage. 50% of tickets and tables are gone. Uh, and I've been kind of, you know, like pushing people on it who I know are going to come to it because there's certain titles that have to be defended by people. So uh, I'm not 
expecting tickets to be around for this for much longer. So if you want to come to the quiz, it is like six weeks away or five weeks away or whatever. But seriously, don't drag your feet because it's moving and we're going to have really, really good prizes. It's going to be a really, really fun night. I'm very much looking forward to it. Are you guys? Absolutely. Yeah, I have just started uh, doing the preparation for some of the questions. I'm quite annoyed I don't get to be on a team. That's mm. uh, that's actually quite annoying now. Because I had a good, you fun, a good dirtied time last your year. bib last year <laughs> on <laughs> social media. Is that, is that yeah, yeah. Like I had to, I had to do something. I, d- I do believe Christian Tierney may be coming back for. Uh, for for a second round, we'll see. We'll, we'll have to like have a word. I did really love a couple of weeks ago when Dahi finally dropped his track with David Tapley. There is on Twitter a <laughs> fake the fight that they had that night, complete right, with yeah. some random going like, "Oh, don't worry, Dahi. The scene can get very petty." Yeah, Just some keep people your took it up. Some people thought there was a there was a legit beef between myself and David Tapley, and that yeah. this this song really kind of brought us together, you know, which is exciting. Yeah, it's about a quiz, isn't it? The song. The song is about a quiz. Yeah, listen. <laughs> closely several times on Spotify so I can rack up the old plays. Thank Before we move on, Colin, what goes into preparation for putting together quiz questions? Well, in this particular case, it's my famous questions round, which involves me just reading through lists of albums and <laughs> artists and going, right, how can I break these names down <laughs> into smaller words? <laughs> the questions round. The picture, picture round, is that what you mean? And the picture round. Yeah, 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 yeah. You actually confused me there for a second. <laughs> Was that in itself a, a test to see how sharp I am? <laughs> In the role of host. In oh, listen, host. if you were entered in this quiz, Dave, you would likely win it with reflexes like that. A reminder, no encore <laughs> quiz of the year, Wednesday, 19 December, Workman's Club. Tickets are moving, get them. And tickets moved quite a lot when they were announced for the four U2 gigs that took place this week in Dublin. You guys went. We went on we Monday. Went. Yeah. They played Monday, Tuesday. They're playing Friday and Saturday. And once again, this country's love affair with U2 continues. And Dahi and I went to the uh, Experience and Innocence Tour which is the dovetail of the Innocence and Experience tour, which came to the three See what they've done there. A couple of years ago. Dahi had never been to a U2 gig before. I had never, ever been to a U2 gig It was Baby's first U2 gig. So why don't you Um, take us through the evening? Yeah, it was pretty... uh, There was a lot of things that I kind of expected and a lot of things I kind of didn't expect, I guess. Um, The main thing was that the the audience had a lot of... um, There was a lot of cool dads in the audience. (laughs) A lot of... You can say it. It was like a bootcut jean factory exploded nearby. (laughs) There there was a lot of guys who were like holding up their phones with their lovely children and then uh, like as the lock screens and then unlocking and then taking... 700 photos right. and there was this like I was noticing after a while that you you could see a whole pile of people um, all at once learning how their flash works because like suddenly it would just turn on and flash off and then they'd have to figure to turn it off and then somebody else would turn on a flash and it would just like flow their way through we had this insane person in front of me and this is the second time I've seen this now where he like whatsapp live called his girlfriend so that her face was just like hu- <laughs> on this huge like camera screen like was like right in front of me in her like Owl on her head watching U2 and like right up beside my face was this woman who was like really enjoying the U2 gig with crystal clear sound I'm sure it was, I'd yeah, say it was absolutely, real yeah. optimal viewing WhatsApp calls are notoriously good for their crystal clear <laughs> concert experience uh, ventriloquism <laughs> that's going on I believe the military are using that technology <laughs> now to communicate behind enemy lines they might be so but aside from that I mean I guess the, the real takeaway for me was that like the show was actually incredible it's and a spectacle the, yeah. the production was really really great uh, it was um yeah, I thought it was really, really good. It was so really they fun. have uh, they have a massive steel cage thing going on, which goes from it bisects the uh, three arena, 
the point theatre, and it like basically extends from the stage to the balcony area, mm-hmm. and it's this big cage thing that can move up and down, and screens are projected onto it. They're inside it. They came out playing the blackout off the last album, which is an okay song, and it worked in this instance because when the chorus kicks in, the screens fade and they reveal the four lads standing there belting away, and it's grand. Um, it does make you feel close to the action, even if you're very, very far back. Yeah, it's in the, in the round, except yeah. it has a massive cage on it. This does yeah. sound very similar to the Innocence and Experience tour. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's meant to, isn't it? Yes. Like, oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's a big creative I mean, deal by by Big Gavin Friday, I believe. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so Miggledy was there. All right. So big was, cheer when he came in. Yeah. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson was, was there. Got a shedder from the stage. Uh, there was a moment when Bono went into is it is it Mephisto or Mephisto like what was what what the character that he played the devil character that he oh, played back in the day yeah, was that on, was that a thing I, I you didn't don't know this yeah, I thought this, it was the dumbest thing I've ever yeah, it was it, the one thing that so really bad. didn't work so on the stage I went is that like an iPad with like some kind of vanity mirror strip club lights around it and I think it was because Bono walks up to it in the middle of this like rubbish parable about nothing about you two <laughs> coming from like you know the streets and becoming the biggest band in the world. And he literally has a Snapchat filter of a devil face and the horns on him. And working then that's and on not this working. big screen. And the mic is like clipping into him. And right. I'm like, this is embarrassing. It was horrendous. Because the and rest of it is really impressive. <laughs> it was it was just really strange because it was it was like really badly graphic, like compared to all the other stuff, which was so incredible. Yeah. And it was just really bad graphics on his face. And then every so often it would cut in and out and it would be like Bono without glasses, like doing very, very strange facial movements and stuff. And talking rubbish. Like it was yeah. like completely talking rubbish. Absolutely like, rubbish. Uh, yeah, was there a lot of proselytizing there? I mean, I just yes, know that. There was, I of think course, it was Stuart yeah. Clark had a photo from his vantage point of a giant EU flag on yeah, stage. Yeah, there was a big EU flag, and, and that was like they've been doing that. I mean, like saying Dublin's a great European city, Belfast is a great European city. Standard Bono stuff. Uh, I mean, as for the set, I was kind of disappointed. I thought the set was quite tame. I thought the crowd were very beige and polite as well. And like, fair enough, I wasn't like, going hell for leather or nothing, but like something was lacking. I mean, it's a big, big thing, but it felt very homogenous. It felt very hermetically sealed. They teased playing Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me by using it as a slowed down, distorted version over this kind of comic book strip story thing that went nowhere and was yeah, never concluded. And I was like, you fuckers, I thought you were going to play like the best song, but you didn't. A lot of stuff off the recent stuff, which yeah. ain't great, including uh, a couple of big favourites for me and Dahi. <laughs> we had a good time when they played... Um, You're the best thing. You're the best thing about me. Oh. Uh, and also, they played Get Out of Your Own Way. And if you will recall, oh, when wow. we did our Galway show last mm-hmm. year, and we played that for the audience, and everyone just burst out laughing, Dahi and I were loving it. <laughs> Absolutely loving it. Like, arms around each other being like, Get out of your own way! And oh, very much amazing. like... But right. everyone having a great time. We're just like being the dickheads at the gig. Uh, I mean, there was some good stuff in there. You know, New Year's Day. They played Stay Far Away So Close. They played Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses. Yeah. They didn't play as many massive hits as they would have thought they would. Well, and to it, be fair. They seem to leave out a lot of Joshua Tree for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, just yeah. about to say, yeah. I mean, you know, when you considered that, yeah, they had the Joshua Tree tour. Mm-hmm. Was that last summer? It was. And yeah. then you had, obviously, like a bunch of the arena tour or arena shows for the first iteration of this tour. So, yeah, you know, this probably is kind of getting to the B-side section. Yeah, and they played, they played okay, they played Beautiful Day, which is a reminder that it's not a great song. They played Elevation, which is a terrible song. And they played Vertigo, which this is, is came very hard. Hard. They played Vertigo, which is abysmal. That song is You, you like it a mean, lot for, less for than what, I like For what they are in it. Vertigo is garbage, man. Uh, also, Beautiful Day was a proper, it's a good live moment. It's, it's a better live moment than it is a recorded moment. Fine, sure. I don't know. Okay, here, and I feel bad for what I'm about to say because I really... I don't ever want to be like ageist or judging someone on how they look or whatever, but like I gotta be honest, man, they're they're hitting the Rolling Stones thing now. Like they look tired. 
Oh, well, there is a bit of that. Of Larry Mullen looks like Chris Cooper in American Beauty. It's weird. Well, like, they, they are older gentlemen at this point. There's I know, no but doubt. Like, it's kind of like, Was, is this the end of a tour, a start of a tour, or a middle of a tour? Uh, Absolutely no idea, to be perfect. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I think it's the start, but I'm sure any U2 fans listening will be like, it's the fucking middle. <laughs> I'll be like, I'm sorry, okay? I just feel like, you Please know. at Dave Hannity. Do not do that. I've had enough grief over my opinions already today. I've got like an insane screed about my Random Access Memories review from May. Like, how is that still going? It was fine. It was a good night out. But I think if I paid like 150 quid for a ticket or whatever it was, I'd be like, eh. That's a fair point. It's a bit tame. Yeah. But the spectacle was great. And they're still you 2 and they still can do it, but I don't know. I just kind of felt like I was like, yeah, that was a polite Monday night. Sure. So there you go. Again, Monday night as well. You know, if it was maybe tonight's show or is it Friday, Friday and Saturday? Friday, Friday and Saturday, Saturday yeah, yeah. yeah. They're going to tear the fucking yeah. roof off. Or they maybe the audience. Kasabian, eat your heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, the audience might be more prepared to go hell for leather. You know? I think so. Don't yeah. get it to Monday. Like. Yeah, and it was a strange thing because like, there was lots of people there like with their kids. It's their first gig. Mm-hmm. Lots of U2 fans who like are the hardcores. Mm-hmm. They're in their U2 T-shirts. Holland yeah, yeah. t-shirt and the U2 Japan t-shirt. And people who go around and they follow them around. And like uh, by all accounts, I mean, I think if you're into this experience, uh, pun and is not, not intended. You could also notice there was a lot of people traveling from abroad it seemed as well yeah totally yeah. People, a lot of people on their holidays going to the U2 concert in Dublin yeah it was a U2 gig in 2018 I mean mm. slain in 2001 was better uh, but what can you do <laughs> uh, a gig that occurred on a Friday uh, a couple of Fridays ago we've talked about on last week's show was The Voids when The Voids came to town in Vicar Street Craig and I went to the show and afterwards I had the chance to speak with Julian Casablancas in the green room of Vicar Street at midnight he was a bit tired I was a bit tired we didn't have a lot of time the whole thing was kind of rushed together and strange but in an interesting way and an interesting way that we've decided to essentially turn this into a bit of a feature die yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we're kinda, we want to pull it together into a kind of a, a nice kind of little package basically so he's gone Oh, look at me. Oh, look, at all, the, look at all the things I can do on the computer. No, 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 you're right. This is a flex. <laughs> this is absolutely no encore, trying something different, and also going, you know, I hey, think... Look, stuff needs to change. We need to... Yeah. We can do better. It, it's, it's, it's the Newsnight Music Review section, and you can enjoy that right now, listener. It's me versus Julian Casablancas at midnight. <laughs> As the song goes, it's close to midnight. Your faithful No Encore host is scaling the stairs stage left at Dublin's Vicar Street, about an hour and change after the crowd, a mix of wholesale apathetic and mosh pit enthusiastic, have wandered off into an increasingly cold Friday evening. The voids were in town 24 hours prior to their appointment time, but you wouldn't necessarily know that from Julian Casablanca's onstage candor. I just got in from Mars, what day is it? He asks on stage before an impromptu quick sound check, one of a handful he'll engage in throughout a set that hasn't left my brain in a week. The Voids feel like a nightmare band that wouldn't look out of place in the brutal recent Nicolas Cage fever dream that was Mandy. Much like that film, the music tonight is equal parts overblown, messy, combative, incoherent, and sometimes brilliant. Fitting then that my brief chat with Casablanca's falls along those disordered lines. Upstairs, the green room is quiet. Julian Casablanca sits, slumped, on a couch, sunglasses off, unlike the vision of himself presented on stage earlier. He smiles and offers a handshake. His focus seems elsewhere. We're joined by guitarist Jeremy Gritter, who earlier sported clown-like makeup in the vein of the crow. He's yet to wash it off, but he's also quick with a smile, and soft-spoken, so I feel like I'm going to be okay. In recent years, Casablanca has become a touch more politically vocal than he was in the heady days of the Strokes. I'd like to have asked about being in the world's biggest band around the time of 9-11, 
but I've read Meet Me in the Bathroom, and I found it about as exhausting as he likely finds any questions about the strokes, so I decide to leave it. Plus, this really isn't the time or the place, and it's only a matter of time before he quite literally tires of an invitation that I'm surprised he kept, so I tried to play to his strengths, as Friday bleeds into Saturday. And so, a tricky engagement begins with talk of, what else? The Irish presidential election. While you guys were on stage tonight, we got the results in from, we had a presidential election today, wow. um, and we voted to keep our current president, who actually is very pro-arts, he's a poet, Great. You know, he's a very liberal guy, a very cultural guy, um, and we weren't quite sure how that would go, because the, the voter turnout was very, very low, it was quite apathetic, I think, from people, because we just assumed, we took it for granted that he would be re-elected. But it turns out, like, in the kind of prevailing results that, like, his number two, who's a bit of a right-wing guy, gauged a lot of support in the polls. I mean, I know, Julian, you've become quite, or at least, not, not so much outspoken, but even a lot more honest in recent kind of years about your kind of political leanings, and you seem to be in a, in a place right now in your life where you desperately want to kind of change how things are, and I think you want your fan base to care about things more than possibly they, they used to. I don't want to change how things are. Uh, like you know i think that's annoying in general <laughs> to want to do that but i do i might contradict myself but i guess i'm talking about just you know systematically and societally say things should be like this things should be like that i think for a musician to kind of go there i think that's if you're gonna do politics that's cool but i think for me it's more about just truth and holding truth to like a religious standard yeah, so I, I believe in that, and I would fight for that. And I think that uh, the irony is in the information age, that's kind of slipped away a lot. So things, you know, things go back and forth, and so I, you never know if it's a forever trend or temporary, or hopefully, you know, there's a reaction. But, um, yeah, so I think that's kind of, as a musician in that from that place that's how i approach it do you feel like it's not your like it's not your place to, to to talk about those issues because i mean you do seem quite passionate about them like is it not fair for you to kind of use that I voice i think that i prefer when people to hear people speak out that don't have a vested financial or some kind of you know um vested interests I don't mind hearing their opinions on politics and stuff. You know, so people are like, you know, stay out of that. Stick to playing golf or whatever it is, you know. And I think for me, if anything, the only people that I don't want to hear from are someone who are, are financially vested to, to say something. And I think that that's the only people who are talking about politics in the mainstream. So I don't personally find it annoying, but because of how we're all cult culturally brainwashed, I think the message isn't received from like, you know, whether it's an actor or a homeless person or the, you know, just if it's the most eloquent, well, maybe it's the most eloquent thing ever said, then, then people would respond. But in general, unless you kind of tell, unless you're like, this is what I'm going to do for a living. I don't think people culturally want to hear it. That's probably true. And I think obviously the people who do that, they make it their day, they make it their life, they will go out there and they will like present themselves in a certain way. But at the same time, I mean, you guys are artists and like you clearly give a shit about this kind of thing. So why should you be silenced? And you have been quite candid before. Have you felt backlash from that? Do you feel that people don't want to hear what you have to say? 
Is it a case of like, you know, shut up and play the songs or? I think, you know, sometimes, yeah, I think people misunderstand things and, and I've seen random comments that are like, you know, that they don't, they don't really understand my perspective. So yeah, I think, but I, I, like I said, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, personally, I don't mind hearing someone that I like and respect what their opinion is. But to be honest, it seems to me like there is what I see as truth being said by people on independent news sites or, or, or people, intellectuals in quotes, you know, most of them are, they're not technically like authors or, but just, you know, I think people who are smart and trustworthy and, you know, natural leaders of society or whatever, there are people like that, that I listen to. And I think that those voices are completely outside of the mainstream. And so, you know, if you're going to say something, you have to have more thought than just, I'm going to say what's really happening because people don't react to that. You know, they, they react to a whole kind of the laser light, the, 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 the CNN music and the, you know, Superman music and the, 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 the handsome newscaster, you know, it like just, it looks official and that's what people, even though those are the last people that you should be listening to because they have a financial vested interest to, to lie to you and that you can see in some cases it's kind of proven and if someone's proven to have lied to you then you shouldn't be listening to them daily for your like information but that's the that's 2018 and um so for me i keep it simple and i just say i you know i follow independent journalists independent media i try to only vote for independent candidates and that's kind of my only real position. So what's it like being like in a band like The Voids in 2018? I mean, is that a direct response to what you've just said? Like, is there a case of like, is this a, a direct form of rebellion for you? Is it like a way of channeling that? I mean, it's hard to not be political in this day and age. But like I said, you'll have someone, the person who is the most kind of sees the truth, the most clearest, and, and it speaks about it. They're people that barely anyone is listening to <laughs> and uh, they're people that you know an army of bots would attack them or there's so much kind of vested against those messages coming out and it's not like necessarily evil you know uh, people it's just a systematic thing and and so I don't know I, I think about it all the time and I think music is kind of a universal vague way to kind of get people you know, awakened. And I think information is the most important thing and truth is the most important thing. And so there's the internet. If you spend enough time, you know what I mean? We're so lazy with the headlines and stuff. So it's like, it's there. So I don't know, other than just kind of saying truth is important and it's there. If you, you know, are willing to look, I don't, I don't, I don't think in entertainment or art, there's, there's a, there's, there's much more needed to be said than that. Um, I think politically there's a lot more to be said than that but again like i said this is kind of the more spiritual art inspiration world and um if i just recited my you know 10 points of my political positions i think it would just might as well just you know yell it into a toilet seat <laughs>
when was the last time something inspired you, Jeremy, like politically or not not politically, but like kind of spiritually and kind of from the art side of things? Like, like when was the last time you saw something and you thought, okay, that spoke to me and, and I desperately want to do something now? I don't know. I, I think like, you mean just music or in anything, world? I mean, like, like it, could be, it could be a movie that you saw. It could be anything. Um, I saw Liquid Sky, which I was telling him about. There's a movie that was made back in like 1982 or 81 maybe. And um, that inspired me just to like... There's no male or female. Everything's like the colors and it's just vague, but just to the point. And there's like a lot of the music in it is really cool. And just the colors and just no, I mean, you can't find it anywhere. He's, he's tried to find it, but, um, but that, that was inspiring. So, I mean, movies, I don't really get inspired by music that much, but the things people say really, <clears throat> you know, there's <clears throat> a funny thing about, like the themes in, in so many movies from like, you know, Avengers to Game of Thrones to like, I don't know, Ready Player One. There's always this kind of theme. It's like the Matrix. It's like what's actually happening in the real world is actually represented in all these kind of, it's allowed in like fantasy movies. It's all like, you know, we have to join together against the force. And so like subconsciously all art kind of understands that, but specifically it's like it's like living in this kind of alternate costume fake universe but all those things are kind of saying that i think that's why this there's like a strand of that has to be in it to really appeal to people yeah of course and they can't really put their if you put your finger on it and you get specific then there's like the the war of the you know well i'm for that but not for that so go to hell and you know so it gets complicated quickly, but in the art world, I feel like the theme is it's like there's these big corporations and, you know, they're kind of controlling everything and the few rebels have to, I mean, from Star Wars on, it's just all these movies, it's kind of like throw up scenes or uh, waterfall. I don't know. There's just, there's one, there's one of those in almost every movie. Same with like the theme of like, we must, the few voices of truth must unite against the powerful liars um, yeah, I don't know. So it's not sorry to bother you is almost the, 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 the most, um, the most kind of the, the, the least just vague analogy version of the, that. Uh, the Boots Riley film. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's coming out here soon. I'm actually very much looking forward to seeing yeah, it. That's cool. I'm reading a book on the wire at the moment and they kind of made points that you just made there. They were saying that like, you know, you're always going to be fighting against a cycle um, but it's important to have kind of individual voices who will always be fighting against that cycle. And the creator of that show, David Simon, kind of had an argument with one of his actors because she felt that he had a very nihilistic viewpoint about just life, really, and what he what he believed. But I guess life experience will get involved with that and will kind of colour it to a degree. But I guess it is that, I guess, what's the point in making art unless it's to continue to do something? You know, it's, it's tricky, I guess it, it must be. Mm, yeah. It's a reflection of life to try to inspire people to, you know, make it better somehow or enjoy it or, yeah. So, a tricky engagement ends with me hastily unfurling wires as the band get ready to make their 1am ferry to the UK. I thank the guys for the time. 
In the days that follow, I find myself returning, with increasing frequency, to human sadness. The 11-minute epic lead single from the first Voids record, released four years ago. On the stage on Friday night, it manifested as both distressing pain and tangible catharsis. On repeat in the following hours, I come to believe it might be a genuine masterpiece. Back in the green room, Julian Casablanca strides up the stairs towards an orange glow that he'll quickly disappear into. He calls back, another low rumble. It sounds friendly, but I can't quite make it out. And he's welcome back on the show anytime. <laughs> Maybe to he talk seemed, about. He seems very tired. He was, he was wrecked, and like he was so tired. And but he was really apologetic about it as well. Yeah, like, he yeah. wasn't a dick. Seems like a nice guy. Like he seems like a nice guy. But it's just that thing of like. And again, I mean, like I've written the piece for. If you go to Joe.ie, you can read the whole thing. If you want to like see me writing around it. I mean, here's the thing. I mean. Uh, He's obviously big into his politics, and I pushed that angle because I felt that like it was the only thing that was going to fucking wake him up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be like, let's talk about the strokes, because that's just really hack journalism. Yeah, and yeah. he's talked about it, you know, mm-hmm. he's talked about it in that fucking book, he's talked about it in interviews, and so on and so forth. And again, I mean, like, listen, guys, I don't consider myself the best interviewer of all time, uh, but it was a tough situation. It was like the green room at midnight, told you only have 10 minutes, the PR guy, or the tour manager rather, standing there looking at you the entire time. Yeah. The guitarist brought in for no reason. He seems like a nice guy as well, but, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of didn't want him to be there. And me trying desperately to just keep Julian Casablanca's interested while also in the back of my head the entire time. I think Cullen will appreciate this, having a ticking clock in the back of my head and not wanting to take the piss. Sure. And yeah. also being like, I want to get the fuck home. Well, it's late. Also, yeah, I mean, like, he, he's got a ferry to catch. The poor guy looks tired at the best of times. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> he when, does, when he really he's does. actually tired, you're talking like... Double yeah. anybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it was that thing of like, he's just gone on one big ramble here and I'm not quite following it. There's a point where I, where I think where I go, oh yeah, of course. And I'm like, I'm done a waste on But again, it was interesting and yeah, he was, was sound. I would just love the chance. I would love the opportunity to like sit down with him again. Over coffees. Over a coffee at like three in the <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. After a good night's rest. So if you're listening, Jules. Yeah. <laughs> Come back, buddy. Let's do it. <laughs> so a band that won't be coming back are the Hot Sprockets. Mm. Call them a Hot Press Association band, I would say. Yes, very much so. They've called it a day after 15 years. Mm-hmm. It's been described by some as a, quote, severe loss to the Irish music industry. And I don't want to be a mean guy about anything, but uh, is it though? I don't think it is. Eh, I don't know. They were distinctive, if nothing No else. disrespect, guys, but I don't know. I think, we, I, I think we'll be okay. I think yeah. they definitely served a purpose over the course of their, their years. You what know? purpose, though? Well, they, have a, they have a huge fan base. Like, there was a massive, massive fan base for them. Um, you saw they were, they were, like, one of these kind of very big moments for one of the biggest festivals in the country, which is Knockin' You know, it always... Yeah. When I came into playing Knockin' and it was the Hot Sprockets show, essentially. Like, people w- just wanted to see them, and that was their main thing. So they did have, a like, a fairly big audience. I mean, we were talking about it the last day as well, where um, they were just about to do a very large um, Spanish tour. I mean, they do have a fan base. There's stuff know? going on in Spain, I do remember For that. anyone who does not know them, Colm, how would you describe them? Uh, I mean, it's kind of bluegrassy-influenced mm. sort of hoedown music. They dress... Uh, accordingly, accordingly as well it should yeah. be said 
And uh, that is one thing that I'll always remember, having occasionally contributed to the Hot Press social column at the back. Um, they were really handy, because if you ever saw them at an, at an event, there was no mistake in the cunts. Like, you could just see them from half a mile away and go, the hot sprockets were there enjoying some complimentary beverages. Handy out. Yeah, I guess anyone who would frequent certain pubs in Dublin would appreciate that they were probably Sweeney's, except in human form. Uh, like, 70s revivalists, big into the gimmick, they committed to it, and by all accounts, it's the usual story of, like, nice lads, and they were nice lads, and that's why I feel bad even going, it wasn't for me. But it wasn't really for me. I saw them live a few times, and I was like, yeah, I'm just not feeling it. Um, Kind of like a less offensive version of the Stripes. But I will say this, 15 years is a fucking hell of a run, and they've been very philosophical about it, and some fans are genuinely hurt, so, you know. Fair play, lads. Indeed, yeah. And um, Week of Death continues elsewhere in Dublin, as District 8 are preparing to sign off. They say this is their final season at the Tivoli. Obviously, we knew that the venue is uh, not long for this world, uh, or at least not in its current capacity. It's going to be an apart hotel. Yeah, they have said really that badly you know, they have to them. pinch themselves that they're still here five years later, running one of the best club or biggest clubs in Ireland, and feel that when District 8 is in full swing, it's the best atmosphere we've ever experienced. They say it will be going on elsewhere, will not finish with the Tivoli, but that the last ever shows will be on January 25th and 26th of 2019. The day that this episode drops, I believe Laboom and AMAC take it over. The Galaxy played there recently with Bad Bones and mm. a certain uh, De- iconic... Uh, Dead Mouse is playing, yeah. EDM, in a, in a Dead couple Mouse of, a couple is of playing. Weeks time. I mean, they're it's not next wrong. next week, actually. It's Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, like, District Date has been absolutely incredible. I mean, it came at a time when... Um, dance music was very, very clearly on the up in the city. I mean, there's a huge, huge dance scene here now. Um, and there was a point where people were kind of flailing around looking for somewhere just to put these huge acts that people, like young up-and-coming promoters, were looking to put on these like huge shows with huge international DJs. And District 8 was the place to do it. You know, it really became this incredible thing. Um, and, and I know also, quite importantly as well, the Tivoli in general was a huge thing for for you guys right as well with the with wrestling as well yeah and yeah, yeah big time yeah. as well yeah um we saw brand new there one one time as well it's like it's an incredible venue saw the horrors there saw mitski there this year yeah yeah the yeah. xx played this year they as well. did played two nights there the one thing i suppose is colin that saw his beloved broken social scene i did indeed yeah I'm, i mean you know like yeah it is a venue that we're gonna miss i think exclusively from a dance point of view though mm-hmm. you know i mean we were just discussing before we came on air bicep selling out the olympia yeah. so much they had to announce a second date which is tomorrow or even tonight I'm not sure either way this week is the second live date in the Olympia well no but like there's an example of an act who maybe wouldn't have been booked at a mainstream venue if it wasn't for someone like District 8 kind of showing the hunger for it so you know they've done a lot of good work I guess is what I'm saying and hopefully yeah we'll continue to do so uh, in whatever new home they find yep Uh, further expirations on the this I could not believe music <laughs> calendar I, I think this is quite shocking uh, Scuzz TV which was a Sky channel I guess yeah. uh, specialising in pretty bad metalcore music <laughs> uh, including some crabcore like Attack Attack uh, Scuzz TV will breathe its last on November the 15th after 15 years 15 15- if somebody had told me that that shut down somewhere around August 2006, I would have said, <laughs> yes, sounds about right. 2018. I they- mean, I remember it in 2003, 2004 or something like that. And then, yeah, I guess I've just, I've never looked for it since. Yeah, I mean, where else How? would you go for those type of music videos? Where else would you go? Yeah, the, but the internet. <laughs> is like, like, I mean, I'm stunned that any sort of music television is As still going. As if anyone would go on the internet for but music But this videos. rather strange niche corner of it really blew my mind. I know, it outlasted Kerrang! and all the, all the rest of them. I, I think Kerrang! 
Rang TV is gone, is it? Is that long gone or is it still oh, gone? Dave, I have I no don't know. idea. I, I presume stuff like Listen, Scuzz TV. You, you should know, right? The only time that I ever watch music TV <laughs> is if you're in my house waiting for a fight or a wrestling pay-per-view <laughs> and it's about half 12 at night and there's nothing else on. It's either telly shopping or yeah. we just flick through the I'm TV I'm like, job. give me the remote. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I presume that like Scuzz TV and stations like it are probably in this, at this time, like lasting off being on in like bars, right? Like that's probably one of their main things. Like they yeah. have like a big screen somewhere with Scuzz TV playing in the background while you sit in that bar waiting for your mates so you can get the fuck out of there. Basically is how it works, right? <laughs> Club hell. Club hell, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I guess exactly. so. Yeah, and easy nights DJing work is now going to be a little bit harder for, <laughs> for a few lads around the country. Rest in peace, Scuzz TV. Uh, in resurrection news, the Spice Girls are back. Indeed, without Posh, though. Yeah, she's without doing a tour with Dane Bowers, I believe. Uh, <laughs> how do we feel about this? The, the Fab Four? I, I think it's a great grand story. Great story. Is it, though? Who yeah. cares? I don't uh, care. What, they're back in... Is that June of next year? I'm surprised it didn't happen I assume sooner. this is written in American style and they are not starting their tour on the 6th of January. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably kicking off on the 1st of June in Manchester. Uh, <laughs> Make sure it's not the, first, the 6th of January though, because it could be. Yeah, they're playing They Coventry hope that Victoria will join. Yeah, at yeah. some point. Yeah, yeah maybe, yeah. maybe drop in along the way. I mean, the, like the way they're talking there as well is like, it'd be a shame if she didn't. It's a bit of a, like a kind of a threat thing where like almost definitely Victoria was like, you got to pay me some friggin' money here. You got to really fucking push me forward. Well, she's moved on as a kind of a high end fashion designer as well. Yeah, so yeah. the last thing that she really wants to do is traipse around with some like 40 odd year old in leopard skin and a Union Jack <laughs> dress and kind of, you know, messing with her scheme really. Yeah, to be fair, I, I think Victoria Beckham has always been a lot more savvy than she gets credit for. In, in many ways, she was like the proto-European Kim Kardashian and people are like, oh, she's dumb. But That's it's like, a fair point. But she's actually not really at all and she's yeah. demonstrated a lot of nous when it comes to dealing with the media and also setting up her own thing uh, while also being uh, religiously cheated on by her husband. Uh, <laughs> allegedly, 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 allegedly. 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 Dave, Dave, <laughs> Dave what spice are you? Well, that's a good question. Well, uh, why don't you tell me? Emo spice. There's no such thing as emo spice. No, oh, you gotta I have pick to pick one, one of these. Yeah, you got to pick uh, oh, I'm, an OG I'm, spice. I'm baby spice because I, I look eight years younger than I, I am. Say, I'm a baby spice. No, yeah, I guess he is baby spice. Right. Call him a sporty spice. Call him a sporty spice. Yeah. Craig yeah, is... Uh, Craig is posh, surely. C- Craig is posh, you're he right. He is, actually. yeah, yeah. He is completely. So I'm scary. She even had that hair you're for not scary. a bit. I'm not scary spice anyway. I was all... You were ginger spice. I was ever when I was a kid. I was a, I, 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 I had a bit of a crush on Jerry Hallowell when I was younger. Who didn't? Am I right, lads? With the, with the UK right? dress and everything. Yeah, that was that was a wow. I, iconic. Wow. You've heard it here first. Folks. I was a teenage boy, West Brit, mad into the UK. <laughs> <laughs> and a thing for the UK <laughs> you, This Brexit thing Is really paying off you just, You'd stand looking Over the border Every so often well, Congrats <laughs> to them In other Irish bands That look like They're from the 70s news uh, Colin Morrigan Will now tell us A real story That is actually a thing <laughs> The Riptide movement Are on a mission Approximately 8 million tons Of litter End up in our oceans Every year And by 2050 It's predicted There will be more plastic In our oceans Than Fish, and the band have joined up with Clean Coasts Programme in Ireland, who helped protect our beaches, seas, rivers, and marine life, and made a documentary, a three-part documentary, uh, with complete with Jerry Fish on narration Jerry Fish. duties. Jerry Fish, Jerry Fish, that's right, Jerry the Fish. The Riptide Movement doing a documentary on sea pollution with Jerry Fish doing the voiceover. <laughs> this is the most Alan Partridge thing <laughs> I think I've genuinely ever encountered. It's, it's certainly in the Irish music industry. Now, Colm, you had some hypothesis on this. Oh yeah, I just had this idea of like the clean coast guys sitting in the office going like so who can we sign up for this project like the beach boys some of them are dead 
and like pale waves are on tour <laughs> and like the plastic ono band wasn't really a thing <laughs> who, who, who else will fit along these lines like it's so such a strange did you watch any of the episode the first episode was God, no. I watched a bit of it for for this podcast. It was uh, it's really like highly produced. It's like really really well filmed and everything. And then the Riptide movement are kind of in there asking kind of random questions and and playing on the beaches and stuff. And it's really strange. <laughs> Again, like, I mean, I, I just I'm like, shouldn't you guys be at a hoedown right now? I mean, <laughs> do you think True Tides are raging or? I think True Tides probably are raging. Yeah. Well, I was wondering if, if our own musician who takes his inspiration from the coasts of Ireland. I have so much sea samples that could have been used in this in this in this did, thing did, for did Tashka. Get, did this well-funded piece of uh, of of uh, goodwill. Did you get an email? I didn't get an email. I didn't even get close to an email. Did you? Did I didn't you... get a message in a bottle over the water oh, either. Oh. Look, look what you got a had. <laughs> did I? Uh, did you message Googie and be like, "What the fuck, man? Do your job." I should actually. Do that. I should like screenshot it now and go. Where are you? Like, what's going on? Like, yeah. you're supposed to be out there. Yeah, yeah. This passed you by. Now, to be fair, see, even like if you didn't have a name that fit the the whole sort of oeuvre of this, if your name was like Dahi O Diligent Recycling, <laughs> you would have been top of their list. Like, or why didn't they have Seal? Seal. They went to a Seal sanctuary. Like, get Seal in. I'd say Seal would want too much money, uh, and rightly so. The man has written some absolute bangers. So, uh, sh- are you saying he doesn't care about marine marine life? I've I've interviewed one act out of between Seal and the Reptile Movement, and, and it's not Seal. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? I mean, uh, obviously a very important cause, and yeah. you have to admire it. Yeah, completely. I just can't take the Reptile Movement's plastic ocean seriously. It's like, what fever dream am I currently having? <laughs> you know, quite odd. but I hope I, I hope it makes some difference. Um, and hey, look, Entla keeps them out of the studio. Am I right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Uh, President Trump, uh, clearly the weirdest thing that's happened in American politics this week. Uh, President Trump claimed to not to know who Lil John was, despite the fact that he was on The Celebrity Apprentice with Donald Trump. Um, there's been accusations of uh, racist slur being used during the filming of that show. But when asked about it, the president says, I don't know who Lil John is. And when it was explained who he was, he said, oh, he was? Okay. Oh, I see. <laughs> I, fig- I figured this out because I-, I looked back. There's a-, a very good supercut on YouTube of every single time Trump refers to uh, Little John on the program. Right. And every single time he calls him Little John. Oh, right. Okay. So he basically, if somebody just when went, Richard. oh, you- you're thinking of him as Little John, he'd be like, oh, cool. Okay, yeah, done. Is that a Robin Hood character? I th- it is- yeah, I don't think it is. Little is John. Friar? No, Friar John. No, I think it's Little John. Is it? Is that where Lil John took Lil John from? <laughs> I doubt it. Is that the, the etymology of Lil John? <laughs> that he likes Robin <laughs> Hood? There's real-time journalism, concept guys. Album. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, Trump's having a hell of a week. Uh, war- Jesus Christ, yeah. Warring publicly with journalists and, I mean, behaving like a genuine... Uh, Fired as AG. Yeah, Jeff Sessions. Yeah. Which uh, I saw, again, I hate pointing out ageism and, hey, this person looks funny thing, but there's an exceptional tweet doing the rounds from about a year ago in which it's Jeff Sessions and it says, Jeff Sessions looks like uh, a a young boy <laughs> who was turned into an old man by a witch because he was caught stealing a pie on her windowsill. <laughs> it, is ve- it is very true. It's, it's one of those tweets where you're like, I wish I had a come on. It's, it's, it, it's the Madonna at my grand's door uh, thing all over again. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure little John will be devastated, and we'll move quickly on because I don't like talking about fucking Trump. But uh, <laughs> speaking, speaking of th- speaking of devastated, Dave, how do you feel mm. when Corns Jonathan Davis suggests it's <laughs> over for the area of big real rock bands like Corn, the Deftones, and Limp Bizkit? Well, do you reckon I had like 
I remember I mentioned on the show that I had like 48 hours of prior knowledge about Picture This doing Five Nights uh, in Three Arena. Do you reckon John Davis had 48 hours knowing that Scuzz TV was down? <laughs> and that's why he was like, well, it's time to finally come out and say it. Um, I mean, new metal will never die, guys, because you got idiots like me out there who always go, there's at least 19 good songs from the genre. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's talked about it on the Just a Show podcast, and they were like, hey, you know, could we see this rise again? Could you help out new bands, you think? And he said, no, the last batch, Corn, <laughs> Deftones, Limp Bizkit, uh, the last guard of the time, the big real rock band. So yeah, it's another rock and roll is dead story. Essentially. He, he doesn't yeah. mention though that he was kind of like, when he gave it some context, he was kind of talking about how, well, it was either us or these massive pop groups and people were either listening to one or the other. And he said that like, you know, there was a certain time when the hip hop, um, uh, crew were uh, supporting them very, very strongly. Yeah, but they would have well, weighed yeah. in in sort of, yeah, it's also against the pop yeah. the rest of the world against this the pop was a different time, to be fair. And this was when CDs were being bought, when magazines were being sold, when fair, physical, yeah. tangible things were occurring and not money. Just coffee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not not just corn coffee. I it mean, should be said, <laughs> a lot of like what he's saying here does sort of echo the lyrics of that Slipknot song that you featured last week. That's where true, it's actually. Like, yeah. you know, Oh God! You know, don't forget about us back in the day. Jeez, the the old stuff was very good, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Did, you, uh, did you give that song a listen? I did. Yeah. What do you think? Like I say, I thought it was slightly tragic that it was just a bit like, <laughs> oh, we had our moments. Don't forget about us. <laughs> old banger of a tune. Old does not mean dead, yeah. as uh, as Jeff Sessions can attest to. <laughs> uh, and in fire festival news, as we move off the news section, they are sorry, Billy McFarland, <laughs> who <laughs> founded the uh, troubled festival, uh, yeah, who troubled. is facing a six-year jail sentence at the age of twenty-six, said, I, "I made many wrong and immature decisions." You will recall that he was like, "Fuck it, let's just be legends." and then there was a weird Lord of the Flies scenario in which influences were stranded on a desert island again I think this guy should be getting like a medal or something yeah like no that. I thought it was great not but, a prison uh, sentence yeah no he says he's lived every day in prison with pain which is <laughs> probably standard I don't know how comfortable <laughs> prison is meant to be is that like the new Stained song <laughs> see I can laugh at myself um, and I'm not going to prison for six years so that's yeah. pretty good uh, he is though did you see this though and I hadn't realised that ahead of a sentencing his legal team claimed that he'd been diagnosed with untreated bipolar disorder which prevents him from knowing right from wrong and wanted his sentence to be reduced because of that which didn't happen that sounds that that sounds like the last the last case scenario that you want to put in was like well he doesn't know right from wrong it sounds like remember affluenza exactly you're gonna say it It does sound like a kid who said like he was just too rich to really understand the world yeah and in fairness not in any way diminished bipolar issues because that's a very 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 fucking serious thing like it is diminishing it really if you're on their behalf yeah oh you just don't understand good things and bad anymore yeah like fair play for continuing to tie this up in knots even as He's going down. Yeah. I mean, Christ. Was almighty. he forced to issue an apology? Uh, I'd say no, 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 really? no, no, no. Well, I'm, I'm sure he like had to do it in court, but no, this is unprompted. I do believe. Wow. Uh, yeah. Talking to People magazine. <laughs> yeah, to People magazine. Yeah, well. yeah. Handy out. <laughs> <laughs> Great to see it. <laughs> okay, so uh, for our album lead-in, we're going to talk about Vince Staples in a second, who dropped a kind of surprise album. He did tease it a few days in advance. And it's kind of a real album, but not really. Uh, he has more coming, though. Uh, he has announced that he has a couple of albums on the way, about four in the bank. Yeah. And the first official one's going to be out in January. Then there's going to be one in June. And, uh, yeah, so a prolific guy, as we've said, as we've seen. We're fans of Instables on this show. The new album, if it is indeed an album, is called FM. It's 11 tracks long. It's 22 minutes long. No boot brunch, no big chains, no blue chucks, just big things. Cug on bus, cug short bus. But we ain't no one, we just wanna have fun We don't wanna fuck 
fuck up none. We don't wanna fuck up none. Fine, we don't wanna fuck up none. And we don't give a fuck about none. We just wanna have fun. We don't wanna fuck up none. We don't wanna fuck up none. Fine, we don't wanna fuck up none. And we don't give a fuck about none. We just wanna have fun. Yeah, I'm so nerfy, my logs go viral for me, right slow. How about gay? I feet think I know why he no like me. That's Fun by Vince Staples. Again, I feel like people know who Vince Staples is, but just in case they don't, call him. Vince Staples is a rapper from LA. Uh, he was big news kind of on the underground scene, I suppose, but blew up three years ago now with the release of Summertime 06. It was a double album, which is daring for a debut, but it was bloody good as well. Two years later, he released Big Fish Theory, which is fantastic. And in between, I think, caught an awful lot of attention because of telling a story, which he doesn't always do on record, at least in great detail, but about gangbanging when he was a kid, about, you know, some of the darker side, I suppose, of growing up in Long Beach. And also then, of course... Uh, became an internet darling because he is fucking hilarious and so everything from like commentary on sports videos to just giving his opinions on like different clothes whatever question he was asked basically he's an entertaining guy and so yeah has become a big deal yeah don't forget various eps and mixtapes along the way as well all of which has been to a very high standard dahi Droni, where do you stand on the man and of course this album and is it an album yeah. can, can we call it an album I've absolutely loved Vince Staples for a really, really long time. Um, he's been incredible. I think um, Big Fish Theory was one of the most forward-thinking kind of pop albums, even for its like production. It, yeah. it, it sounds yeah. absolutely incredible. This thing is really, really interesting because it uh, it takes a different angle. There, I think we can see with most of the albums that he's released, he does these huge production changes every single time. Um, this one has this kind of um, a... Uh, uh, concept, I guess you could call it, um, oh, it where it's it's done through um, a radio station from start to finish, a, a well-known radio station in in LA, um, and I think it's really really good. I think it's fantastic. It is short, but it flows so nicely together, mainly because of these little kind of snippets that he does in between with the FM um, radio station, this LA style radio station thing. Yeah, he literally drops twenty seconds each mm-hmm. of tracks from Earl Sweatshirt and Tiger, which. Presumably are genuine, like we are going to hear I them in full at some, at some point, point in the future. Yeah. yeah, and there's a couple of skits for good measure. Yeah. Uh, he has said before that this thing is essentially like a stopgap, and it was, I don't know who the person is in question, but someone inspired him to just do this and like get it out of his system. And you know, it's kind of like it, it's an album, it's out there, but he's kind of saying it's like not necessarily an official one. But again, I don't want to get bogged down in that because that's a bit boring. Uh, Vince Staples, on the other hand, is not boring at all and retains an incredible command. I said before on this podcast, I said, like, you know, I think he could go off and do anything. I think he could go off yeah. and start a yeah. fucking band. And I'm on board. I mean, I'm not... We, we, it, there's always a danger. There's always danger with, like, oversaturation, and we saw we were in the duels in particular, where I was like, just keep doing it, lads. Mm-hmm. And obviously Vince Staples announcing that he's releasing two albums in the first six months of 2019. There's a bit of trepidation there, but I, I think if anyone can do it right now, well, you see, it the could one, be this guy. The one thing that really worries me there is that, as, as Dahi said, Big Fish Theory seemed like a real step forward in yeah. terms of production. It was forward thinking and so on and so forth. 
whenever you're talking about an issue like that, currency is important. You don't want somebody saying, hey, I've got a load of albums in the bag and I'm going to be rolling them out over the next 15 months or something. No, it'd be far better if you had an album or like, you know, just whittled it down. Hell, throw the four of them out there in January, but then actually start creating a new album which can show more of that forward progression. He's not done a lot of that here. But I think that's why the album works for me. I think I'm not normally a fan of the kind of sketches and short songs, you know, and things that aren't kind of fully realized. And obviously this isn't. Most of the tracks are less than three minutes long. The entire album clocks in at 22 minutes, skits and all. But because it's all kind of around the same theme that we've heard Vince talk about before, which is growing up in Long Beach and which is, you know, somewhere in the city, as, as he kind of makes clear from the very first track of this record. It's almost like we can sort of extrapolate everything that we found out before and apply it here so that we don't need kind of like, you know, fully developed songs. We don't need fully developed characters because we kind of feel like we have a pretty good handle on what he's talking about already. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of I kind of agree. He kind of came out of the gate talking about this album, kind of saying, um, look, this is like a no bullshit. This is just like tunes for my crew kind of thing. Um, and that's what it definitely feels like to me. It has this... Um, I don't know, like a very uh, simple kind of straight idea. There's no over-the-top themes or anything. It's not like a Kendrick record or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it just very much feels like a very kind of almost like a classic rap album. Um, I think Fun is the thing that's kind of probably closest to the stuff that he's done before in terms of production and everything. Um, but uh, I think like Tweaking is an absolutely incredible song. I think Tweak- Tweaking's great. Um, yeah. Even like Don't Get, Don't Get Chipped and, and Relay is all really, really good as well. Funny that you mentioned those two as well, which feature Kilani and... Yeah, J-Rock there's a lot well. more singing in this record, right? Well, as well, there's a lot more ones. other people too, because That's I mean, true, like yeah. when you've got 22 minutes on your record, it's like dropping 20 seconds of Tiger, 20 seconds of Earl Sweatshirt, and handing two yeah, hooks yeah. to featured artists. That's a lot of space to give up for a guy who's actually previously been very good at sort of staying focused. Yeah, and also with the utilization of other people. I mean, you look at the last album, and like Damon Albarn's in there to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kilo Kush, who we worked with on the Prima Donna EP, is in there. I think Bonnie Vera is involved at one yeah, point. Yeah, He uses a sample of uh, Amy Winehouse. Kendrick's on there. Sophie's on there. And yet they were all textures. Mm-hmm. And there's still textures here, but there, yeah, he, there seems to be a bit, a bit more, uh, I guess, poetic license or something with regards to just his, his approach. But to me, this album is made for Generation YouTube. This is made to be bite-sized. It's made to be... But the clever thing about it is that it snaps you into one listening session and you can't really turn it off for the 22 minutes. Yeah, sure, you can hardly yeah. see the seams, right? Like, that was a big noticeable thing for me. Yeah. Do the songs literally feel radio-friendly compared to the previous stuff? I don't know if that's a massive conscientious decision Uh, there's a lot of parts where it just kind of feels like oh I'm literally listening to a radio station there's a little bit of that Yeah. yeah I mean to be fair I'm not sure if what station who, though. I will get that's the, I don't know if fellas who grew up like in an LA hip loud and yeah, court yeah, 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 can yeah, really yeah. say whether we'd expect <laughs> to hit this on our FM dial. Yeah, but but you do you can understand yeah how this certainly is you know slightly more accessible. Like, is that what you want here though? Because I mean, like for me anyway, like Big Fish Theory, I was just like, holy shit, this sort of like. Dalliance like, into yeah, slightly, PC music almost kind yeah, of yeah and like that kind of like you know slightly harder EDM sound mm-hmm. I was just like this is new and this could really kick off yeah and in live shows that when that came out like the live shows just were absolutely incredible yeah. because of that very reason you know yeah this feels like throwaway in the best kind of way in that like mm. it appears to be scant but then it does burrow into you because I think he remains extremely compelling. And it is that argument of like, well, you know, should he be doing this? Like, are we going to get bored of him? 
like I say, it isn't there for me because he remains like a an interesting orator who like manages to kind of have something to say, do it in an interesting way. At the same time, though, because I know uh, I know a friend of the show, Joshua Hughes, probably has this argument. Is this the Kanye influence at all? Even like the album length and just kind of how like here it is. I mean, like, can that be credited to him? I don't Am I being know. too kind? I'm. I I don't know if it's about kind. Uh, I mean. I don't know. I, th- I think it, like a short surprise album isn't something that we haven't seen before. Mm. If he releases a bunch of them, if this is a pattern that continues, then perhaps you can say that. But no, I, I, I think that this is, you know, I mean, like as people have been quick to point out as well, this is a 22 minute, 11 track album. So stack up them Spotify <laughs> streams, baby. Um, oh, you think it's a cynical move, do you? Yeah, there's a little bit He's of He's not the there. weekend. No, but, but I presume that like it's the opposite. It was how most people are kind of looking at that, right? We see like Lil Wayne and and Drake putting out these huge gargantuan albums to get yeah. bigger like streams, you know. I mean, I guess you can probably say that Vince Staples probably isn't on the same level in terms of like people just automatically going to hear what they're going to say. Yeah, I think yeah. Colin was making more of like a, an economy of scale point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it should be said as well that as you mentioned, Lil Wayne, there uh, we were waiting five years for the Carter Five and featured <laughs> it on the show three weeks ago. So Vince Staples' future <laughs> albums. Let's put a pin in that. Yeah? So does he remain a critical darling? Die. Um, I think he I think he does I think it's incredible um, that point that you made where like he's going to release some stuff pretty soon now and are we going to get more of the same I don't think that's possible I don't think this is going to be a run the jewel situation um, I really enjoyed this album and I'm going to keep coming back to it and it flows so so nicely the way he's pulled all this stuff together uh, I'm up on uh, 8.5 I would say I I don't know I hesitate to give uh, too high a score to an album that is at the end of the day 22 minutes long <laughs> but it is fabulous it is really good I really enjoyed it uh, I'll go 8 for me I feel exactly the same including the number it's an 8 <laughs> alright welcome on the show anytime Vince Colm take us into songs of the week uh, sure and I'll ask Dahi to pick a number oh god uh, we'll go for 3 Number three is Poppy. Oh, shit. Dahi, get your notes out. <laughs> uh, featuring Grimes, this is Play Destroy. Before we get to the song, I just want to assure listeners we're doing the Ariana Grande song. <laughs> Don't worry. We're, we're, Stay we're, tuned. We're, we're getting there, yes. Yeah. So, so, so that's Poppy. She released her uh, second studio album last weekend, preceded by uh, a couple of hours previously, by this single uh, featuring art pop darling Grimes. Uh, Dahi, you went down a YouTube rabbit hole this afternoon. About an hour and a half of just trawling all weird internet and YouTube. Dave, are you familiar with Poppy? That's Poppy. No, I'm not at all. Okay, well, 
Dahi. Okay, so so basically, Poppy kind of originates from um, YouTube. Um, there's a guy called Titanic Sinclair, who is a, a director slash, um, I guess, artist, guest singer. Um, and he used to have a group called Mars Argo, which was himself and his girlfriend. And this was a good few years ago now. Um, and he was doing these very strange kind of uh, half songs in, in, in the YouTube and half um, him just saying really weird stuff in a very kind of very highly compressed sound way with this very unique, almost like a PC music style, like look and everything. This very clean, like colored um it's worth a look and then um a little while later this person poppy arrives which was basically a very clean cut very you can see the picture of her on the on the on the album it's a very very clean cut very um uh uh like clear very clean pop star right um and basically titanic sinclair was behind it and he's he's pulling all these strings and creating this uh perfect pop star that's kind of feels a bit illuminati based look um, you can say it she kind of looks like she was genetically engineered in a exactly lab. completely well, she looks, and and, yeah. and her album is called am i a girl it is legit playing this whole like man or machine completely yeah and there's like hundreds upon hundreds of videos on our youtube of her just like very very surreal strange um kind of phrases and sayings that she's saying and then she started she signed to island basically and then started releasing tracks um, and it just started blowing up like crazy. Um, people are really, really obsessed with her. She seems to only do interviews with these very, very like over the top LA, like uh, massively like surface level interviews and stuff just yeah. to really freak people out. Um, and it's it, it like this song, especially and a lot of the stuff on the new record that this kind of there seems to be like a kind of a, a playful messing around with, with metal music. It feels very much like um, baby metal, which was a, a Japan group mm. from years ago. No, that's what it feels. Really they're like, still you know. going like they're, yeah, they are still going. Yeah. They, they took off. I mean, yeah, all of those elements are true. Grimes is on board. That's where I kind of came in because I saw that Grimes had a track out this mm. week with her. And you would think that Grimes, mm. this strange new pop invention thing. Metal music. Metal music. Dave Hanrady, right? <laughs> this is the most obnoxious song of the year. You think? <laughs> it's dreadful. You know... Uh, it's dreadful. I think it sounds very much like something off Art Angels. Um, Poppy's been accused of sort of borrowing other people's ideas and aesthetics mm-hmm. from time to time before, so... Yeah, maybe that makes sense here again. This is the worst Grimes union since... <laughs> the last one. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah... I, I I don't know. I I quite like this. Really, I don't even know if it's worth listening as a song. Again, this feels like another. It's an art statement. It's an art statement. Exactly. There is a bit of that. It doesn't there is feel definitely like. A bit of that. And that that's kind of how this stuff should be taken. I think. I mean, oh yeah. I, again, well, I was an hour and a half watching really weird fucking videos for. I, I, we we appreciate the journalism that you <laughs> have been like aspiring to and also rising to since you've uh, joined the show in a full time capacity, Dolly. <laughs> However, I mean, for me, like, if you strip back to just the song, which is what I interacted with and nothing else this week, it's, like, it genuinely feels like Garage Band and someone pressed Metal Riff 5, and that's what it is. I was like... There's a little bit more to it than that, no? I think this is weak. I was getting flashbacks to, like, California and Scream. (laughs) No, they're really good songs. There's clearly a lot more proficiency in those. Oh, well, listen, yeah, they're not at this, or this is not at their level. This is bad, and Grimes is slumming it, and I'm officially concerned. It it is quite surprising that that Grimes isn't even involved in this one, because, uh, like, I think only about a week ago... decisions are coming naturally to to (laughs) lowercase c It is a pretty strange one. Dave, give us a number. Well, we gotta go number one. Dave teased it. Ariana Grande uh, released uh, an unlikely single this week. It's called Thank You Next. It sounds like this. Some songs about Ricky. Now I listen and laugh. 
So pretty much as Pete Davidson was appearing on Saturday Night Live and insulting a politician who lost an eye during the war. That was really funny. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> there are lines that you maybe shouldn't cross every now and then. That seems to be one of is, them. Is Pete Davidson normally that funny? I thought that was really funny. Because to be fair, the, the, the skit is him taking aim a lot of politicians. And at the end of it, he brings it back to himself. And yeah. he was like, I know I shouldn't be taking this out of anyone's appearances. Look at me. But then he closed it in a very serious fashion, didn't he, Colin? Did he? Yeah, he, he's, he's timed off by saying, hey, by the way, I know people have been asking about the breakup. The truth is it's nobody's business. Uh, she's a wonderful girl and I wish nothing but the best for her. Now go, go vote on Tuesday. All right. And then, of course, this song arrives. <laughs> hours yeah. later, I guess. Yeah. And it's uh, people have said that this is redefining the breakup anthem. Uh, I don't know if redefining is the right right term. We live in it? the age of hyperbole. If, if, Ariana, <laughs> if Ariana Grande shaves her head... That's going to be a big fucking... Yeah, I mean, so she definitely references a whole pile of her past boyfriends, so people are supposed to be coming into this knowing the backstory, right? That's that's the main aim, right? But, yeah. Um, it's for the fans. The thing would be that this would be like a such a like a clinical, terrible move if the song wasn't so fucking good. The song is really, really the good. The song is better than anything that appeared on Sweetener, which Completely. for me was one of the most yeah. disappointing albums of the year. She has a very nice, touching moment where she thanks uh, Mac Miller as well, says she wishes she could thank Malcolm. He was an angel, but she can't, obviously. And the, the big twist here is that she's seeing someone new, her herself yeah. the whole thing left me fucking cold it's man. Bono it's Bono writing letters to his 16 year old self all over again it didn't leave me cold it got me uh, it got me I mean like it was a tune as you say it's a it is a tune but like there's a lot of people kind of trying to portray it as this sort of show of strength and to me a lot of it just felt a bit petty or like, like it's an attempt to win the breakup yeah. You know what I mean? But like, uh, you know, like it, it, it's interesting because you remember, like she, he starts referencing it immediately after the Saturday Night Live um, yeah. show, and then she sends out a tweet. She goes, uh, "For someone who claims to hate relevancy, you sure love clinging to it, huh?" And then deleted that tweet. Right. Oh. So it's a it's an open feud. Like it's like a what yeah. we've come to expect from pop stars breaking up. Now, well, right? yeah. The one thing that I will say about Ariana Grande that I always do like is that. In her music, you can see the catalysts for what she is becoming as mm. a person. Like, you can see sort of like, you know, the growing pains. And you can see the sort of, like, you know, even on that last record on Sweetener, even though it's not exactly full of bangers, you can definitely hear the sort of struggle and the move, you know, yeah, yeah. especially precipitated by Manchester. This is again one of those examples where you can go, okay, well, the next record that we get from Ariana Grande, we're going to be able to see the workings by going back to this track. Yeah, and like all that's fine, and like there are times when I find her presence on uh, social media and so on a little bit cringeworthy, and then I kind of be like, well, look, I don't want to feel that way because to be fair, she's been through a fucking lot, and she's twenty five or whatever she is, and thus you know is in the spotlight to the way few people in the world are, and I'm generally Team Ariana Grande. Uh, and I think that this is an excellent song in terms of its delivery, what it's about. Uh, I didn't find it too petty. I, th- I thought it was okay. I thought it was a fair comment. I thought she did it well. I thought there was grace to it. And it's a really good song. The interesting thing as well, though, is that on Twitter, she also alluded that this might be the title to the album that's upcoming. Um, Another so album. we may get a full album of this type of thing. Which I don't want. <laughs> no one needs that. This Featuring is. Frankie and Eamon, presumably. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, Dahi, give me a number. Um, I'll go for your number two, please. Number two is Lil Peep. 
almost a year since he passed away. Posthumous release uh, is dropping this weekend. Life is beautiful is taken from it. It sounds like this. Yes, yeah, so Come Over When You're Sober Part 2 is dropping today, if you're listening on Friday, as this podcast arrives. Dahi, your opinions on this taste? <laughs> yeah, it just really annoys me. I get, like, I'm very much down on the side of, like, why are you releasing tracks um, posthumously? I just really, really don't understand. It, the producer who worked with him for a very long time is kind of going, oh, well, yeah, you know, I've talked to his mother about this and she's okay with it. Yeah. It just seems such a weird thing. He had it in the bag as demos, right? Even this song is like a is like a demo that's been remixed, uh, which and the, the the demo's already out. This is just like a remix of that song. It just feels really, really bad to me. It doesn't feel right. Uh, I don't know if it doesn't feel right because there's a strange legacy that again we're seeing in real time. And I and I keep coming back to this thing, and I I, I fear that I'm veering into like you know becoming my dad territory when I reflect on how society and technology and communication is all changing. However, in a lot of instances, particularly with social media, particularly with the access that we have now to fans, to stand culture, to to musicians rather than the stand culture that follows. A lot of us are patient zero for this kind of thing. We're seeing things happen that have never happened before. And then etiquette doesn't really exist. Now, you can look at the etiquette of something like the Prince Estate, and that's a whole other different kettle of fish, mm-hmm. uh, and quite a murky one, obviously. But And there's always going to be the idea of taking uh, advantage of musicians both while they're alive and, unfortunately, while they're dead. The little peep thing, though, to me, this does feel like a chapter that needs to be closed off because Come Over When You're Sober was always going to be a part one. I agree that if you're picking the bones of this, which is kind of what it is, then that's questionable and how... What is the artistic statement? But then also, this guy was like a SoundCloud rapper who released songs every fucking week. So, I mean, how much nuance, dexterity, polish are you really expecting from this? And I think for the fans who are all very young and impressionable, we had a, we, we talked about the likes of Triple uh, X Tentacion before on the show. And again, very clear, we don't appreciate what that guy was fucking doing with his life. But the fans of artists like these and the current kind of SoundCloud generation, the face tattoos, whatever the fuck, they hoover up this content you know like that's kind of what it's become for them and even in death now I think this makes him like a bigger artist in their eyes this this song was already out though this song was already out you can go on YouTube and hear this song already this is just a remixed version of it it's not very good and it's not great like even the vocal quality of everything I mean obviously that's what he's aiming for a lot of the time but this song is already out so you're repackaging it and selling it on to some very vulnerable people it's like a rewrite of Lannis Morissette's ironic (laughs) is what it is who does the benefit is the interesting question. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, is this watering down someone's legacy? Is the legacy, like, like his death is so tied up in all of this. And I agree, the song ain't great. And I'm not saying Although that there's a couple of lines I, that I'd actually th- I actually thought were, you know, whether it's because he's gone, I don't know. But there's a couple of lines I was gonna, I was, like, was going to yeah. say, like, I mean, the fact that it is, you know, a year since he died of a drug overdose does kind of add a poignancy of sorts to certain parts of it, all right. And, I mean, in the question of, yeah, who it benefits, I mean, you know, whose call should it be? You mentioned it's his mother who's been particularly sort of vocal yeah, well, this is and the thing. energetic and again, in terms like, of... I'm, I'm not trying to say that the his mother or the producer who he's worked with for a long time, um, Smokasak, I think his name is. Um, I, I'm not saying that they're like trying to do this big money-grabbing mm. thing, but like, I don't know, it just it just feels like it shouldn't be done. I just like, I, and I would come that across all boards if like an artist dies 
they just but you this should is, not be releasing But this is the interesting thing because this is a very clear commitment from the people that you've mentioned and including and also the community that would have sprung up around this guy while he was alive and when he died to keep him alive. Now the question right, becomes... Your intentions can be good. But, but like, the question becomes is there going to be a third album next year? Is there going to be an album every year on his death? Are we going to see a new thing here? Are we going to see a new method of communication like will this actually get to the point where it's like fucking Black Mirror and yeah. Lil Peep is still releasing music in 10 years what I don't use th- algorithms to make a yeah, new I don't think song. so yeah. but I, I don't think so but don't rule it out sure. <clears throat> that's what I'm saying Joe Rogan over here everybody hello alright give us numbers number four number four huh. <laughs> <laughs> going from a controversial release to surely something that even your mum would agree with it's David Gray and the sapling it sounds like this this is how Here's like tiny drops of rain on a glassy lake, even circles in the way. Though we barely comprehend what the question is, only know very much, uh, very much alive and kicking, David Gray. Coming back over to Ireland for a three-day tour kicking. next year, and uh, his new album's got brass on it. He's the new Beirut, I think. It's Gold in a Brass Age is the name of the album. It just conjures up Emily Sunday greyness all over, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm going to say this. I didn't mind this song at all. Really? Oh I'm having a rough week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I Yeah, I imagine this is kind of like what you play on local radio, sort of, you know, 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Yeah. No, Pre- I want to clarify, I, I didn't like the song. <laughs> I just didn't hate it. Okay. The pr- production, like, it starts out with a bit of promise. Like, that opening, kind of, the, the way the kind of the 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 sounds are and all the instruments they come across really well but then his voice comes in and the vocal <laughs> melody comes in and it's just game over oh my god it's so bad it's just so bland so boring and like you go from like you know that Ariana tr- song the Poppy Grimes track and then you go to freaking David Gray like I mean like obviously I haven't exactly revisited it many times <laughs> in the seventeen or eighteen years since like was White Ladder this. Boring and inoffensive. I don't think it was when that blew. I don't up. think it was. Please forgive me. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's that one of them. that came on like via like I guess the Spotify. Yeah, there was one like there's Please forgive me, Babylon. Babylon. One. This year's Babylon love. Was yeah, this year's love. Or as my friend's dad used to call it, Deadly. <laughs> Sorry, because the song goes this year's love a Deadly. <laughs> <laughs> we all know the White Ladder story that like every house in the country had like two copies of it. It was like the fucking intermission DVD at one stage. <laughs> I got in trouble with like the Joe audience. Shocking, I know. When I described David Gray in the article I wrote about the Irish tour, because I knew people would be interested, and sure enough, they were. I said, "An adopted son returns home," and they're yeah. like, "Oh, you're very quick to slag off the Brits." I'm like, "No, no, this is an actual story in which he couldn't get arrested in the UK, and Ireland decided we'll have some of that." Yeah. <laughs> so I think him coming back here is actually okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's a David Gray song, and it's all that that implies. But I did find myself going, "This is perfectly tame." I, I don't yeah. like. I'm not. It's not offensive. It's not. It's so not offensive. Well, no, yeah. I would almost prefer it was offensive. Precisely. Yeah, I presume. To this, I it? presume when the album comes out in like March or April, I believe this will be like uh, like he he's releasing it at the wrong time. He's missed a trick here. He needs to do a fucking <laughs> Adele and get it into Morrison's at Christmas. Because it's such a checkout sure. album. It's such a oh yeah, I'll get the new David Gray. It's only nine ninety nine if I buy like a leg of ham <laughs> <laughs> or, or whatever. We've got one more song. <laughs> All right, and then a trip straight to Morrison's. Um, 
<laughs> These new Puritans back after five years in the wilderness. This is Into the Fire. Yes, their first music in five years, mm-hmm. uh, brothers Jack and George Barnett. Yeah. Are we looking forward to hearing more? I don't know, because like, these are such a strange band. Uh, like, very arty, very experimental. Uh, they've been compared to The Fall a lot back in the day when yeah. they first emerged, but they're more yeah. electro. They had an album. And, and they had so a- much more bougie. But they had a couple of songs that <laughs> No, came seriously, I, I, f- I first came across these new Puritans when they did the soundtrack for a Dior show. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I guess that makes that sense. That makes sense, yeah. I came across them when I heard a song called Elvis back in 2008, and that was a single, and it was like this kind of two, two and a half minute weird thing, but it had propulsive energy to it, and I assumed that that's what I'd be getting generally. They got a song called We Want War, similar-ish, but a lot longer. But then they released an album, I'm pretty sure I reviewed it for Hot Press back in the day, and I forget what it was called, but it was just like, all I remember from that album was like lots of weird, reedy, kind of strange music yeah. that didn't really go anywhere and felt very experimental. Kind of like when Tyondi Braxton from Battles put out his solo album. And I was oh, like, God. I'm sorry, I know that there's an audience for this, but the audience for this can never hang out with me or come to the party <laughs> because it's just shit art gallery opening night music. I don't even know what to make of this. It's got energy, it's got vividness, but they're always going to be this kind of outsider band, aren't they? Yeah, it was a weird one. Like, it, the track itself, like, sounds good on paper. Again, like, it's really confusing. It sounds really good on paper, and, like, it all comes across quite well. Didn't really feel like a song. I, I, like, it just really kind of confused me from top to bottom. They got kind of lumped into a kind of an indie, like, outfit for quite some time, right? That they were never yeah. really a part of. Like, yeah, almost like yeah, an yeah, band finished. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and that's a really strange thing that happened to yeah. them as well. I actually kind of enjoyed this track, though, just because I think the atmosphere is sort of all-consuming, as it were. So even right, if it yeah. is slightly abstract, and even if there yeah. isn't much to kind of get your teeth into in terms of, like, a structure of a song, I just felt that, yeah, you know, like... It, it it felt complete, I suppose, because it did have that sort of thread running through it. Yeah, it's very accomplished, but also, I mean, we're we're, we're coming to the middle of November. Just like like, give me something comfortable to listen to. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just keep it simple for the next what? two months, would you? <laughs> well, what it's a long fucking year. What else has been getting a spin this week, then, Dave? I'll tell you the new album from a band by the name of Subplots, who we featured on the show before, and I'm not going to say much more because we're going to play a track of theirs as exit music. But uh, their album is out now. It's called Silent Phase. They're in Bandcamp and all streaming platforms. Your Spotify's, your Apple Music's, whatever. Uh, go check it out. They're good. They're an interesting band. They're ambitious. And I think that it's well worth checking out. So there you go. I'm still buzzing off the Suspiria album from um, from the last week. Uh, it really, really blew me away. Um, and that's been absolutely incredible. And then I also went back through all the older Vince Staple stuff, which completely stands up forever and ever. It's great. As mentioned earlier, um, Am I a Girl? That album from Poppy, I've given it a spin. Mm. It is interesting. I mean, it sounds really good, although when you consider that, you know, it's a big budget effort with, like, people like Diplo behind the desk yeah. and stuff, that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I just, I I enjoy that whole kind of man versus machine take yeah. on, you know, what pop music is, especially with its sort of overproduced and, you know, sort of boardroom meeting sort of products. Um this is just sort of taking it to the nth extreme. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I quite enjoy it. 
Is it a great pop album? No, but like I say, I do actually appreciate what it is in terms of a statement. Uh, I've while well, I think of it, I've also been listening to the new EP from Wen Young, a Limerick band who kind of moved to the UK, and there's a lot of buzz about them now. I interviewed them last week. That'll be up on Joe next week. Uh, interesting guys, very sound to talk to, and worth keeping an eye on. And I've also spent I spent one of the days during the week pretty much listening to Mona Lisa by Lil Wayne and Kendrick Lamar on repeat, oh, so uh, good. skipping to the Kendrick verse a lot and just being like, <laughs> "How does he do it?" I was going to say, Dave, if you're feeling a little bit tense and wow. <laughs> up this week that ain't helping I was but I'm not anymore I'm in a, right. uh, like, like, yeah, moving on uh, <laughs> okay next week on the show uh, we'll be joined by proper micro NV who is putting out his debut album Very exciting another Limerick artist and mm-hmm. uh, maybe Craig will be back who knows get your quiz tickets thanks guys to play us out Good this week you. the aforementioned subplots the album song phases out now this is the opening track it's called To A Fault my name is David William Hanratty this has been No Encore there will be No Encore see you next week Chasing the birds The scattering A new year shallow In a depth of field Let's see what it brings
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. North Star Fishing Company is now hiring processing crew to work on board our commercial fishing vessels in the Bering Sea of Alaska. This is an opportunity to join a great company and experience the adventure of life at sea. North Star is offering $1,500 sign-on bonuses to new hires that complete a full contract. To apply, visit our website at www.northstarfishing.com. 